0: Tonight we're wrapping up and we're talking about how Jesus requires. Jesus requires some things. How there's some things in our relationship with God that Jesus requires. And here here, in John 15, Jesus is talking to His disciples, right? And He basically is giving them the, the last sermon before things start heading towards the cross, right? John 14, He promises the Helper to come. He promises that He's going to prepare a place For them, and then John 15, he gives really three requirements that I want us to talk about. Three requirements that I want us to talk about tonight in there. And you know, when we think about Jesus requiring some things, that's not our favorite thing to think about when it comes to Jesus. Let me just come to church, right? Let me just be. Let me just come and do this thing, right? I don't really want to think about how Jesus is going to require some things of me. Has anybody ever been to Ikea? Okay, been to Ikea, right? If you've walked around Ikea, you know it's at least a six-hour process, right? At least, right? Because there's some things that have to happen when you go to Ikea, right? There's the whole showroom upstairs, and then they've got the cafe where you've gotta eat some Swedish meatballs and cinnamon rolls, okay? The Swedish meatballs and the cinnamon rolls, they're on point, okay? And, And so that's gotta happen, and then you have your whole list from the showroom of what you've got to go into the bays and, and where they store all the furniture. And then you've got to hunt down and find the things that match what you were looking at upstairs that you want, right? And so it's a whole process. It's a whole process. It's a long process. I've been to a, I've been blessed to be to a few Ikeas in my lifetime, right? One in North Carolina, one in Maryland. That was fun. And then uh, the one in Massachusetts. I've been, been to a few. Um... But the point is, is upstairs at Ikea, you see this beautiful entertainment center, this beautiful dresser, this set of bunk beds or something like that. You get down to the bay where you're picking it up to go and pay for it and leave, and it's in a box like the size of my iPad. I'm like, how does that work? Right? So that leads to my second question. How many of you have ever put Ikea furniture together? And you're still here. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay? Right? It is tedious, isn't it? It is a process. Right? And, and, and if you're the type of person that follows directions step by step by step, right, then you're, put, you're good. You're all good in the hood. Right? But if you like to maybe skip a few steps or you know that this is going to go here at some point, so you're just going to go ahead and pop it in, even though you're on step six and that's like step 37, right, then you're in trouble you're in trouble. But if you follow the directions point by point by point, then you're going to be good, right? Then you're going to be good. And eight weeks later, you'll have that entertainment center that you saw upstairs, right? From this box that now is the size of an iPad that you can take home, right? It's tedious. And in the same way, in the same way, God has created us for joy, We talk about that all the time. We're going to see that tonight in our text. He's created us for love. He's created us for fellowship. He's created us for restoration. He's created us for redemption. He's created us for all of these things. But in order for us to enjoy those things, there's a way that he calls us to live. There's a standard by which he calls us to live. There's some things that he calls us to do that are important to not forget. Because it's easy, it is easy, it is easy to fall into the trap of just showing up. It's easy to fall into the trap of just being there. My presence, right, is enough. But there's some things that God calls us to to enjoy the benefit of what He sent His Son to die for. So, John chapter 15. That's where we're going to be. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17. It's a bit of a longer uh, chunk of scripture um, than, may, than maybe you're you're used to, but I want to read the whole thing. I want to read the whole thing and then I want to come back and take it a little piece by piece. Um, Dylan told me this morning he wishes it would have been longer. So um, we'll, we'll take it verses 1 through 17. We'll read it and then we'll go back and we'll take it piece by piece. Sound good? Sound good. By 10 o'clock we'll be out of here. All right. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can get by. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What a powerful verse. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Look verse 6. and that your joy may be full. I love that. God did not send Jesus to the cross so that His people could be boring and stagnant. So that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. We are called to be the most joy-filled people on the planet. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, we're going to have church tonight. Okay, We are called to be the most joy-filled people on the planet, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, verse 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. As someone lay down his life for his friends, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you make the scripture so crystal clear to us tonight. Speak to our hearts, speak to our hearts. We're listening, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now I've preached on this passage quite a few times, and and I know I know we've got some preachers in the room that are like, man, I would go this direction, I would go that direction, go this direction, because there's there's a there's a bunch of different directions that we could go. With this text, we could spend all night on apart from me, you could do nothing. All right, we could spend all night on ask anything in my name, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We could spend all night on pruning and and, 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 and all of those things. But I want to focus on the three things that Jesus requires of us from this text. And the first one is this. That we abide in Him. That we abide in Him. The, the best way to explain abiding is dwelling. Right? That we dwell in His presence. That we, that we latch on to Jesus, right? As provider, as source, in the same way that a branch latches into a tree and, a vine, and, 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 and fruit latches into a vine right? That we are dwelling in the presence of Jesus and the person and work of him, right? That we're following in the dust of the rabbi, as we like to talk about around here, right? That we're so dusty as Jesus is walking, the dust that's coming off of his feet is is making us dusty, right? That, 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 That that's where we are, that that's where we live, that that's where we dwell, abiding in Jesus. And a couple things about abiding in Jesus that, 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 that are proofs of abiding in Jesus or that are necessary to abide in Jesus, and the first one is to bear fruit. And we're going to talk about this more in the second requirement, so we're just going to hit it kind of quickly this time. But, this, but, the, but, but the thing about bearing fruit is the question is not whether or not you're bearing fruit. The question is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? The question is not whether or not you're bearing fruit, but the question is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Because the reality is we all bear fruit. We all bear fruit. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit. But abiding in Jesus, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And he talks about this. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Fruit, right? The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is hammering down this point that fruit is necessary in the life of the believer. And it only comes when we abide in Him. It only comes when we abide in Him. The second thing He points out about abiding in Him is that pruning happens. Pruning happens. Now, here's the thing we like to, um, we like to, how do I put this? Um, when it comes to pruning, it's, it's kind of like what we talked about with parenting a couple weeks ago, right? I don't place boundaries around my kids because I hate them. I don't place boundaries around my kids because I'm trying to pick on them, right? I place boundaries on my kids for their good and, and, and their joy, right? Like uh, look, the example we used two weeks ago is what does it look like for four-year-old Vera to run the Bush family finances, right? Not good, not good, okay? We would have so many Elsa and Anna frozen things in our house, uh, more than we already do, right? Let it go. Anyway, Jesus, in the same way, prunes us. And when he prunes, right, when we're abiding in him, when he prunes, it can feel at times man, Jesus just won't back off, right? It's just raining. I mean, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, like I can't catch a break, okay, God, like you can take a break, Justin could use some testing, Justin could use some break. I'm good now, you've spent the last six months ripping my life apart. It's Justin's turn, right, right. And so we feel like at times God's picking on us. Listen, it's not as much that God's picking on us. It's that He's preparing us for what's next. Amen? He's preparing us for what's next. He's preparing us for what's next. I was talking with with Jeff Willis tonight and, and just said to him when we got here, could you have imagined could you have imagined 3 years ago when we were dreaming up a church right that this would be what god blessed us with 3 years later but yet he didn't merge our churches 3 years well he did but he prepared us for it 8 9 10 11 years ago he began to prepare us for what he's done over these last couple of years not awesome to think about and on the other side of it we can look back and we can see okay that right there that struggle that burnout that this that 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 was preparing me for right now that was preparing me for right now and here's the deal when it comes to pruning when we talk about pruning pruning takes experience and skill right pruning takes experience and skill and 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 when you prune you're you're trying to accomplish two things removing unfruitful branches right and pruning the fruitful ones so that they bear more fruit. My dad had the wrong way of pruning. When he used to prune, right, he would just cut the thing down, right? The less you could see, the better. That's not pruning, that's murdering, right? Like, and 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 so I took, well, I mean, you know, as 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 my father's doing, right? N- didn't know any better. Thought he was doing the right thing. I started doing that at a church cleanup day one day. One time, just started cutting things to the to the roots, right below grass level, because I thought that's the way you prune things, right? And I had somebody that worked in the gardening department at Lowe's came running over to me. Stop! Please stop! You're killing the thing, right? And uh, and and gave me a lesson on pruning, and I, I still don't know how to do it. Um. But, but, but people that, that, that are good at pruning, it takes experience and skill, right? It takes experience and skill and, and they're pruned back um, for the, 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 to get rid of the deadwood, the vine dresser gets down to the exacting work of pruning each shoot or branch. And the purposes of that pruning are to stimulate growth, to stimulate growth within the plant, to allow the vine dresser to shape the vine. Right, in the way that they want it to be shaped, to produce maximum yield without breaking the branches. Right, so the maximum yield that this thing can produce is what they want to produce without breaking the plant. Right, to protect against mildew, to produce better quality fruit, and that's exactly what Jesus wants to do with us when He's pruning us, stimulate growth, shape us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? He wants to shape us. He wants to shape you. And that's why He's pruning. That's why He's pruning us. Is to shape us. To to produce maximum yield without breaking us. To produce maximum yield without breaking us. To protect us against mildew, staleness, mold. And to produce better quality us. Pruning happens. And when it happens, it's not something that we ought to say, oh, you know, woe was me. But pray, okay, God, give me the strength to make it through this because you must have something big on the other side. Abide in Him thirdly to be purified. Purified by what? The word. He's speaking to His disciples. He says there in verse 3, He says, already you're clean because of the Word that I've spoken to you. That Word. Allow the Word to wash over you. He says in Ephesians, uh, Jesus loved the church, gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. Through the Word. Sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. And so we abide in Him. Right, that we would bear fruit, because apart from Him we're, we can do nothing. Apart from Him, no fruit happens. Right, that we we abide in Him to bear fruit, to be pruned, shaped, right, Mold, uh, molded into uh, who He's called us to be, and to be purified. So the first requirement that Jesus makes here is that we abide in Him. Secondly. That we glorify God. That we glorify God. Now, I want you to recognize here, I was sitting with a pastor one day a few years ago, and we were, we were just talking about church. Talking about church. And, uh, and he said, you know, he said the whole purpose of the church is to glorify God. The whole purpose of the church is to glorify God. And it took me a while, it took me a while because I had this picture in my mind of church that if, well, that's that can't be the that can't be the whole purpose of church, right? I mean, we've got to we've got to love on kids, right? We've got to love on teenagers. We've got to we've got to uh, you know the the, the we we've got to take the you know we've got to take the uh, fifty plus group apple picking, right? I mean, we've got to do this. Like we've got to we got to do the, the purpose of the church can't just be simplified down to glorifying God. But it is. We exist as the body of Christ. God created this thing that we're doing for His glory and our joy. That's why when we were doing a vision statement back in the day, the first thing in our vision statement is that Summit Church glorifies God and advances His kingdom by making disciples of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Glorifying God has to be at the core of everything we do. It has to be. It has to be. And so when we talk about Jesus requiring some things of us, abide in the vine and glorify the Father. As I have glorified the Father. Jesus is saying, I've set the example of this. Right? I've set the example of this. Imitate me, Ephesians 5.1, as my dear children. Glorify the Father. Glorify the Father by bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. By bearing fruit. Fruit can be positive or negative. Positive or negative. Right? Ian ate a banana last week that I thought was a big negative. That thing was as brown as you can get. And and brie. Bree was on my side. Bree looked at him and was like, Why are you eating that? Right? Bless his heart. Anyway, he's still kicking. Um, but fruit can be positive or negative. False prophets can be identified by their fruit in Matthew chapter 7. Both Jesus and John the Baptist demanded repentance. John the Baptist commanded the Pharisees and Sadducees who came to his meetings to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Matthew chapter 3 concerning the whole Jewish nation that rejected him. Jesus said, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. What a statement, church. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He takes it seriously. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. That's a pretty serious statement, right? Fruit is a requirement of glorifying God. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The kind of righteous living is what grows on a tree watered by the Holy Spirit. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. And that's, and that's what I'm saying a couple weeks ago when I was talking about, you know, saved from, saved to, right? We're saved for the mission, right? I'm not asking you to add anything how can you invite the Holy Spirit along in your everyday life now? That as you go here, as you go there, as you go here, as you go there, you're faithful to the call of God and bearing fruit. Who do your kids say that you are? Who do your friends say that you are? Right? Bear fruit in that. I was having a, a couple weeks ago, I was having a very, a very nice conversation with a referee during a basketball game. I was under control. Um, I was just asking some questions, clarifying questions, about the, what he was seeing or not seeing, clearly having trouble seeing. And I just had a better vantage point because I was taller. And was able to see. So I was trying to help him see from my point of view and my perspective. And Bria, I forget that Bria's on the team that I'm coaching, sitting right behind me. She said, Daddy, I don't think he likes you very much. <laughs> and I said, No, Bria, that's just his mask. You can't tell. It's fine. We're good. We're good. And then anyway, but 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 it was it, it was kind of a check, right? Right behind me, Bria sitting on the bench, like man, she's listening to everything I'm saying to this guy, right? She's listening to everything that I'm saying to this guy. And so I went up to him in between games and made up with him, and we had a conversation because he had to have me for a second game, which was probably something he was really looking forward to. And Bria asked me when I came back into the huddle getting ready for the second game, she said, what do he say to you? I said, Bria, it's okay. We kissed and made up. And she's like, no, no, you're wearing a mask. I'm like, it was fun. Anyway. <laughs> right? But who do the people say? Who do the people around you say that you are? What fruit are you bearing? Don't add things. Invite the Holy Spirit into what you're already doing in your life. We glorify God by growing in our love for Him. Look at verse Nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Grow in this love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as, excuse me, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, growing in our love for Him. Not getting comfortable or stagnant or apathetic, but growing in our love for Him. We glorify God through obedience. See, and, and, and some, of us, some of us confuse obedience with a kind of legalism that moves away from God's grace as unmerited favor to a place of earning favor with, strict, with God by strict obedience as the Pharisees tried to do. And this is not what Jesus is saying. What He is saying is He's explaining that obedience is the natural result of love obedience is the natural result of love if you love someone you try to do what pleases that person obedience is a natural result of love if you love someone you try to do what pleases that person right um it, it would be like can i talk about basketball one more time is that okay talk about that. we're in full swing of basketball with two kids and uh and i was thinking i was thinking about this um As I was preparing this message, you know, basketball, aside from being the best sport out there, right, it is essential that all five players work together at all times. When you're playing basketball, it's essential that everybody out there is playing defense when it's time to play defense. It's essential that everybody out there is trying to rebound when it's time to get a rebound. It's essential that everybody out there, if you're going to run a play on offense, runs the play, right? And not halfway, not with their hands in their pockets, you know, blowing bubbles with their gum or anything else, which you can't really do anymore, right? But but they're engaged in the game for the purpose of what? Winning, right? Winning. And so if I'm a good teammate, right, then I am going to be playing defense as hard as I can when we're on, on the defensive end. I am going to be running and, and rebounding and being engaged on offense as long as I'm in the game, right? If I'm a good teammate, I'm going to do... And here's the thing. Church is a team sport. If I'm a good teammate around here, right, then I've got to do what god has impressed on me to do and bear the fruit where he's called me to bear the fruit i've got to stay in my lane and be obedient and faithful to what he's called me to do and so do you right not out of not out of legalism not out of checking boxes not out of this not out of that but out of a love for the kingdom of god out of a love for his church out of a passion to just be around. Man, we had a, I was blown away this morning. Can I, can I, Steve, can I brag on your son? Okay. I was blown away this morning. I don't know why it hit me this morning, because he's done it a few times. But Mason's what, eight, nine? Same thing. (laughs) I knew he was, I knew he was not eight. Mason, he's breathing. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, so Mason. Mason's twelve years old. He came with his dad this morning to run video for the two morning services, and was he? He was here when I got here at like ten after seven. Had been here with a smile on his face, excited, pumped up, jazzed, running video for the services, which I can't even figure out how to do right. This this thing is way beyond me. I I, I joke about it all the time. That's just pressing an arrow, but it's way more involved in that than that now with like the the live streaming and stuff like that. And I'm like, this kid just wants to be at church. He's back here tonight. He's over at youth group. And when I was praying this morning, it's it just overwhelmed me, Katie. It just overwhelmed me that this kid he just can't wait to get here. He can't wait to serve alongside of his dad. He can't wait to serve. Dylan and anything that Dylan asks him to do, like he just wants to serve. And I'm like, oh man, if we could have 50 Masons, right? If we have, you know, a, a group of people like Mason that just would do anything for the glory of God in their church, right? And we've got a lot of Masons. We've got a lot of folks that do that. But man, it was just inspiring to me. Like he's here early on Sunday morning to serve. He doesn't have to. He did not have to. We could have gotten Mark to do it. But he wanted to do it. Isn't that awesome? Growing in our love for him. Obedience. And then lastly, walking in joy. We glorify God by walking in joy. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And then the third requirement that we see here in John 15 is that we love one another. That we love one another. Let me read this section again. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you no longer do i call you servants for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing but i've called you friends how sweet that must have been to hear for the disciples how sweet that must have been to hear for those disciples they didn't even have a clue as to what was coming jesus was trying to tell them but like can you imagine reading this back later as matthew and mark and luke and john are are writing this and 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 all of that it, No longer do I call you servants for the servant doesn't know what the master is doing but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. You didn't choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you love one another. Love one another. Love one another as he's loved us. How's he loved us? Sacrificially. He's loved us um, with humility, by showing forgiveness, right? All the ways that he's loved us. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, as he has loved us. Secondly, for the mission that we love one another. By this, by this, they will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, your fruit should abide, um, bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you would love one another for the mission. We talked about the prodigal son last week, Luke 15, right? Many of us know the story of the prodigal son, the son goes to his dad and says, Dad, I'm ready to be out on my own. I'm ready for the autonomy. I want my inheritance so I can go be out on my own. Dad gives him the inheritance. He goes, he blows it, right? Blows it. Ends up sleeping, living, and eating with the pigs, right? Sleeping with the pigs. And he comes to realization one day and says to himself, My father's servants live better than this. My father's servants live better than this. Maybe if I go home, just maybe, dad will let me be one of his servants and I can live better than with these pigs. So he goes home. We talked about it last week. Father runs off the porch, which is not customary at this time. Runs off the porch, goes and meets him in the field, restores him into the family, gives him the family ring, puts his robe around him, tells the servants to kill the fattened calf for him. Right? He's home. He's home. He's home. And he's more than a servant. He's restored into sonship. Right? And then here's the part of the story that many people don't know. Is that the other son, who was out in the field, catches wind. One of the servants says, hey, your brother's home. Your father's called for the fat and calf to be killed. We're about to have a party. Go get your dancing shoes on. Right? Go get your da- That's not in there. Okay? That's not in there. <clears throat> and, um, and the son gets frustrated. Right, Goes up to dad, listen, I've stayed, I've been faithful, I've been working the fields, I've been doing all these things, and not once did you offer me an animal to have a feast with my, with my friends. Not once. Not once. And I heard a preacher preaching on this one time, and he said, if the, if the older son, if the other son had only known the father's heart, he would have known that he should have been out looking for his brother. looking for his brother. Because what Jesus is talking about here, love one another as I have loved you, that my kingdom may expand. That my kingdom may expand. That my kingdom may grow. That others would know me. So love one another the way that I have loved you. Love one another for the mission. By this, they will know You're my disciples by your love for one another. And then lastly, faithfully. Faithfully. Love one another faithfully. Faithfully. And so my questions for us tonight. How are we doing at this? When we look at the whole outline, right? Right? How are we doing at abiding in Jesus? How are we doing at glorifying God? How are we doing at loving one another? I was really moved yesterday. I was on a Zoom call with some folks, um, a part of Johnny and Friends. And Johnny and Friends ministry that we're pretty heavily involved in. and We do these family retreats. Johnny and Friends is a disability ministry and these family retreats are for families affected by disability and and we're gearing up for the summer, and I'm a leader of the one in North Carolina, a leader of the one in New Hampshire. And so, you know, I'm a part of these meetings because we're looking at the feasibility of can we do family retreats for these families affected by disability in the midst of the times, right? With, with COVID still around and, and all of that, what does this look like, right? And everybody's pretty set that it's going to happen, but now we're just trying to figure out how it happens, right? Because we did it all virtually last year. Everything went online, all virtually. We surveyed the parents. All the surveys came back. We loved the virtual online family retreat, but we didn't get the respite that we normally get during Johnny and Friends family retreat. We didn't get the break, right? And parents were craving the break, right? And you think about over a year now, for some of these families that they haven't gone anywhere they can't go anywhere because their kids can't wear a mask and their kids can't be controlled in public places and so these families affected by disability in some in some cases in some places haven't left their house right haven't left their house. things are dire these parents want a break, they need a break, and we're trying to figure out how to give them a break and so we're having this meeting yesterday, and the 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 best part of the meeting right. Family retreat with COVID. That was the agenda item. Family retreat with COVID. And, uh, and, and, and because one of the essential things when it comes to family retreat is volunteers. These people that take a week off of work and pay like 400, 450 bucks to go serve a family affected by disability for an entire week and go, and they're paying to take a week off, these volunteers, right? And it's just like church. I mean, these, these all these people that come and make church happen, all these masons that come and, and make this place happen, we don't do everything that we do here without you, without Steve running sound, without without Jan at the door, without Becky signing up for Kids Sunday after Kids Sunday after Kids Sunday, and, and, and all of you. I could talk about all of you, right? Um... But as you'll see in the bulletin, we do need more kids workers to sign up. Anyway, we rely on these volunteers, and so one of the volunteer coordinators for uh, North Carolina, her name's Sherry. Sherry's a dear friend of Kristen and I's, and uh, she reported how she's been calling all the volunteers because that's her role. And and she said something that grieved me when it came to family retreat. She said, I'm struggling to find enough volunteers. And I said, Sherry, why are we struggling to find enough volunteers? We usually have a wait list for volunteers. She said, I've heard from a number of volunteers that have called that if they have to wear a mask at all at family retreat, they're not coming. They're not coming. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Oh, man, here he goes on another mask tyrant, right? You know, a mask conversation. I'm just sick and tired of talking about masks. Me too. Me too. Me too. There's not been a week in the last 14, 13 months maybe that I haven't had a conversation with somebody in our church about masks. Are we still requiring masks? Yep. Signs are on the door. It's in your bulletin. You know, still, still doing it. So I'm told somebody after the 815 service this morning, I would love to go one week without having a mask conversation. But here we are. Okay? Volunteers not willing to come and serve the most at-risk people that I'm around, families affected by disability, for a week, where there's going to be some mask wearing required. Some. Some. We don't know. The reality is we're talking about August And we're in April, right? We don't know what it's going to look like. But these people are already saying, I'm not going. And Sherry said, I think she could see that I was just getting pretty upset about this. And she said, I've got to come back though, Travis. Don't worry, I've got to come back. She said, I say to each and every one of them that I'm not going to let a mask keep me from loving people for Jesus. Listen, I don't like it. If you could smell the smell in here after three services on a Sunday, if you want to come up to my office, want to take this baby off in a little bit, whew, okay? The moisture that's happening in here right now, right? I don't like it. But I tell you what, it beats me not being around you guys. I'd rather do this and preach than the alternative. I'd rather. Now, listen, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, I'm awesome, right? But it grieves me that we are allowing this to steal our joy and to rob our opportunities to love one another. To love one another. Us. Simply putting this on could love someone. Right? It shows love to somebody. It shows love to somebody. And I'm grieved. I'm grieved to know that there's some people I've served alongside in the past that are sitting in their homes saying I'm going to rob myself of a blessing. Because of some mask wearing. I hope it grieves you as much as it grieves me. How are you struggling to love people? How are you struggling to love one another? How are you struggling to glorify God in your life? Oh, just one more time. One more deal. One more search. One more YouTube video. One more of this. How are you struggling to abide in Him? Praying. Scripture. Having conversations with folks and putting things into each other's life for the purpose of abiding. Are you willing to say tonight, God, Show me how I need to abide in Christ this sweet. Are you willing tonight to say, God, show me one area of my life that's not glorifying you? Chances are you know it. Chances are it's right there on the forefront of your mind. You know it. Are you willing to do something about it? What does it look like for you to make a step there? Are you willing to say, God, help me put me aside that I could love the people around me better. As you've loved me, and as you've called me to love them. Will you pray with me? God, that's my prayer for us. That as we look at these things, God, that you would show us the way to abide. That you would show us the way to a deeper prayer life. That you show, would show us the way to a deeper connection through your word. That you would show us the way to bearing fruit. God, I pray for strength to see the areas in our lives that just aren't glorifying you. And God, I pray, I pray tonight for a holy discontent for my Sunday night peeps <coughs> that are here. God, I know there's some faithful people in this room. But I also know that we battle an enemy that wants to affect that faithfulness. And so I pray against anything, anything in our lives tonight that's not glorifying you. And I pray that you would give us a holy discontent until that is brought to the feet of Jesus. And God, I pray that we would be so mindful as Your people, as Your children, and how we're loving one another. God, that we wouldn't allow our joy to be stolen by little things but think how we would simply love one another as You've called us to love. And as You've modeled for us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.